Welcome everyone who's on Facebook. If you are watching this, please go ahead and uh, do hashtag live in the chat. If you're watching the replay, please say hashtag replay. Uh, the more comments, the more people in the group get to see this. Uh, hello, everyone. So good to see all you back again. Sarah, hi. I'm so glad you're here today. Hi, everyone. Oh, I thank you, Suzanne, for posting that. Everyone, I just have to say, I left feeling so amazing yesterday. Like, really, the collective energy here, I feel like, was so beautiful. And I've connected with so many of you outside of here. And, like, it's taken me a long time to put this together. But connecting with you all just reminds me why I do it. It's so satisfying and fulfilling and beautiful to watch you all have these realizations each day and feel like you're, you know, moving towards something. So, Thank you again for showing up, for putting your love into this. Um, and again, the more you put in, the more you're going to see. And I've seen that be true. So I'm super excited to see where this week takes you all. Uh, okay, so that all said, we have our um, card pull ready to go for today. So I'm just going to jump into it here. And again, I had pulled this spread in the beginning of the week to set the intention for each day. And so today's card that I had pulled is one of my favorites. And let's see, the number is 43. Guessing everyone can hear me okay, right? Yes, okay, just making sure. Um, number 43. And it is wild, wild, okay. Oh, Maria, you're welcome. Okay, I'm gonna go back to this speaker view. So I hope everyone can see, and I'm gonna be posting them in the group, in the Facebook group, if you wanna be able to read these over to yourself too. So this is wild. It says, I unleash my wildness and choose to be free. There is a primal and wild nature at the core of our being that demands to be heard. Sometimes we need to leap freely as the wind sweeps us into a vast forest. Other times we need to express our wildness within our community. Wolf has arrived to remind you of your unique wild spirit and your ability to choose how you express it. She also represents a balance between your own needs and the needs of your tribe. Wolves are fiercely loyal to their mates and live in socialized packs. They're also strong individuals and curious explorers. Choose what freedom means to you as you embark on a journey of personal discovery. As clear as the wolf's howl at the moon, learn to hear your inner voice and unleash your wildness. Again, I did not pick these on purpose, but how perfect is that? I hope that puts you all in touch with your wildness. Feel free to let me know in the chat if any of it particularly resonated with you. Um, the part that stands out to me about this is the idea that we can be fiercely loyal to our tribe and our mates while still having our own wild, independent, unique, free spirit. And again, kind of echoing what I said yesterday that the right person for you, you're gonna feel free with right? You're going to feel like they bring, they allow you to be the best version of yourself. 
right? And so that's what we're setting our sights on. And I think that's totally appropriate as we move into my secure swipe method today. So today is all about swiping and um, we are screening people, right? Like we're basically, again, we're like kind of moving them through this funnel. So we're like screening them um, initially to get to know who they are, right? bring them into our funnel, if you will. And um, the first step of that is seeing their profile, right? So that's just the first step. So there's more, right? Because then once we swipe, then we message with them. Then we message with them. Then we, you know, plan a date. We go on a date, right? Like we get to know them. So this is just the first impression, right? Now we're looking at their profiles. So I'm going to pull up my uh, notes here, my slides and we'll hop into it. Let's see, scroll to the beginning. Okay, share my screen. And here we go. And always remember to feel free, like I might not be checking the chat as I go, but I will at the end. So you can always ask your questions as they pop up. Um, and. The workbook, if you don't have it and you want it, uh, Guanisha can drop that in the chat for you. Um, you should have the workbook link there, Guanisha. Okay, day three, here we go. So just to recap, yesterday we talked about the two-step process of becoming secure, right? Healing the relationship with yourself and then healing your attachment wound in relationship by integrating that healing, right? So that's the step, the process to becoming secure. Um, again, we can't heal attachment wounds on our own. We have to heal attachment wounds in relationship to someone else because that's the nature of the wound, right? So um, we're talking about why healing without integration keeps you stuck in your same cycle. And, and so again, that's something I see a lot is I need to heal myself. I can't date. I have to learn to love myself, which again is an absolutely necessary step but it's easy to get stuck in that step and think that once I'm fully healed, which at what point are we ever fully healed, right? Once I'm fully healed, once I'm perfect, I can then go out and date people, but then you go out and date and suddenly you're feeling triggered again and you don't know why, like, haven't I learned anything? I've done all this work, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's because you actually need to take that healing and then now apply it within the context of a relationship to change the dynamics, to change the patterns, right? Um, and that's how you actually break the cycle of dating unavailable people. Um, and again, like life, we're always gonna be healing, right? Like ideally the person you attract is a deeper form of healing for you. And you both are a space of healing each other and that's what you continue to grow and blossom and it gets deeper and more amazing as the years pass, right? Like that's the relationship we're trying to set up here. Um, and then we talked about how to up level or own or become more authentic, show up more securely and honestly on your dating app profile to call out the more secure people who are gonna see you for you. I actually had a mini profile assessment call with someone today who said, I just don't know if my profile is gonna scare people away. I don't know if it's too much. And I reiterated to her that actually you want to repel the wrong people, right? Because not everyone's going to be for you. And sometimes when 
that can feel kind of uncomfortable, the idea of someone not liking our profile, right? But I encourage you that the more you can sit with the idea that actually, if they're the wrong person for me, it's okay that they don't like my profile and that for the right person, I won't be too much, right? The right person is going to be moved by what, is, what I say. They're going to be intrigued. They're going to be inspired. Okay, so that was yesterday. Today, we're talking about how to tell who is emotionally available and who isn't based on that first screening step, which is their profile, right? Um, and then my secure swipe strategy for swiping with a secure mindset. And as you will learn today, mindset is literally everything in this process. Uh, when we feel anxious, we feel out of control. And so the way that we gain control is by figuring out what do we have control over and what do we not have control over. We do not have control over how someone else shows up. We do not have control over how someone else feels about us. What we do have control over is how we show up and, what, and, and our own mindset about how we live our lives, the choices we're making, how we're gonna, the attitude that we're gonna have, right? The self-work we're willing to do. So then of course, we'll do a Love Lab Q&A at the end if anyone has any extra questions. So as we talked about yesterday, our new mindset, our new secure goal as we're on the apps is I want the right man for me, the right man for me. Whereas the insecure goal from before is I want him specifically at all costs, right? It's that preoccupation we have with that person we're falling in love with who we try to fit into the box of loving us in the way that we think we need and want them to, even if they're not able to, even if they're showing us they can't or are, are unwilling, right? And then we're sacrificing our needs for someone who isn't showing up for us in the way we need to feel good, right? And so that's what we're, we're moving on from. And we're really like, I'm in the center. I am not trying to serve you. You are not on the pedestal above me. I am here on my mountaintop and I will allow the right people up to the top of this mountain with me who earn it, who feel good, right? And, and, and those are the people I'm really gonna look at. So keeping this in mind as we continue to swipe. So the goal is, as we do this, what you're trying to do in the way that you, you go about this goal of the right person for you is you want to learn to get attached more slowly by getting to know multiple people and getting to know them, right? We're just getting to know people here. Um, and we want to be objective. And that's why we're using attachment theory rather than being reactive to people's profiles or feeling emotional or projecting the fantasy on their profiles, what we're doing is we're just genuinely trying to get to know them. And we're doing it slowly because especially if we're more anxiously or even fearfully avoidantly attached, we can, once we really like someone, right? Like it takes a while to like them, but then when we do, we get attached very quickly and intensely. And so in order for you to show up more securely, we want to be able to take a step back and um, go a little slower so we can control more so the intensity and the pace at which that you're going to get attached, right? Let me know if this is making sense. So I'm going to call back to Sarah again. Remember our Sarah here. She became preoccupied with Brett and got attached super quick, quickly, right? And she put him on a pedestal. 
he was meeting that fantasy she had in her mind. And so immediately the power dynamic was not balanced, right? Because he was on a pedestal and it made her anxious from the start, right? He fit her fantasy. He checked the boxes of the ideal things that she was looking for, but she didn't give it time to get to know the real him. And it takes a little bit because especially in the beginning of dating, we're all on our best behavior, right? Like we're all wanting the other person to like us for the most part. I mean, that's a lot of how we approach it, right? We're wondering how do they feel about us a lot of the time. And so we're performative, we're trying, right? Um, and we're not being real necessarily. So it takes a bit of time to get to know who people really are. And then of course, her wound of not being enough came up when he canceled plans without explaining, right? Um, and so she jumped to conclusions about where he was at, she assumed she understood what was going on and she assumed the worst, but he also didn't communicate effectively to make her feel safe, right? He may not have been secure himself either. He may not have had the communication tools either. And so it's not that it was all her fault, but it's that she didn't understand what was going on with her or him, right? Neither of them did. They were unconscious about what was happening between them. So you show up securely. So this, so basically, how did I word this? By you showing up securely, plus you picking a secure guy is how you create lasting love, right? So those are thinking about, as I talk about in my process, in my program, we do heal and then attract, right? So the healing is the healing, the relationship with yourself. The attracting is the integration, right? Taking that healing and applying it. So when you show up securely yourself by healing the relationship with yourself, and knowing who is more secure and or willing to move into more security with you, right? Like not everyone has to be perfectly secured to be a good potential partner, but they have to be willing to put in the effort, put in the work, which I know is probably what you have not experienced up until this point, or you might not be here, right? So you either inspire the more kind of non-available people or more avoidantly attached people to become more secure because you're showing up securely or you magnetize yourself to people who are already secure or even anxious because I know we're talking about us being anxious a lot and you know here but the truth is that anxious people make amazing partners um it's just understanding kind of what they need and what you need and being able to balance that but um so just, just putting out there, we don't want to forget that like anxious guys are actually really awesome too, especially when they start moving in, and they are generally very willing um, to move into feeling more secure themselves. So talking to multiple people makes you slow down and get to know who is secure or not, right? So we want to go slow to go fast. And what I mean by that is that a lot of us here, like I know, are in a place in our lives, like I know a lot of you like are wanting to meet your person, right? Like sooner than later. Like why one person on here and you know who you are is like, I was supposed to manifest him um, January 1st of this year. So <laughs> uh, like what's going on, right? And the thing is, is that it's actually the opposite. It's like counterintuitive. But when you lean in to meeting people slowly, you're doing it with more intention. And so you actually make leaps and bounds more so than picking the wrong person and getting attached to them and then dragging that out for how long, right? 
a month, two months, six months, a year, two years, right? Like I know like you can share in the chat if you've been there where like you dated someone for way longer than you thought you need, than you knew you needed to, right? Like intuitively you knew like that month in, that second month in that like this wasn't going somewhere and it wasn't right, but you had gotten attached. And so you keep thinking, well, like if I do this, maybe I'll make it work or maybe this just needs to happen and it'll work, right? And that's like, because when our needs aren't getting met, we search for control, right? Like we don't feel like we're in control when our needs are not being met. So then we try to control the situation and that's where we try to take someone who we see potential in and make them who we want them to be, right? And, and that ends up wasting your time more than anything. That is the biggest, that is what contributes to the cycle that makes it so that you're not actually healing anything. And you think that you're picking someone new each time. And then it ends up unfolding very similarly because it's still just repeating the same cycle. And because we want to break that cycle, we need to be intentional. So you want to lean in to all this stuff and go a little slower, make the moves from an intentional place. Um, and that's what I support you doing in my program. That's what I'm here to help you do is to help you give you a strategy for going slower and being intentional about it and finding the right people. Okay, so what does all this have to do with we're getting we're getting into the swiping, I promise. This is just all the mindset piece leading up to it. Um, so a watched pot never boils, right? So like I want you to imagine that you're boiling a big pot of, of water for pasta, right? And I mean, it's like one of those big ones that like you're going to feed like five people. So like it's going to take a while for that pot to boil. Right. And so when we are, especially if we're anxious, preoccupied, or if we have a little more anxiety in our attachment style, we become preoccupied with being chosen. Right. Like we talked about this the other day that like feeling chosen is very validating. And so when we meet that fantasy guy, right? And we become super into him and attracted and we want to make it work. We become preoccupied with him. And so it's it's leading into that wound of like, I need to be chosen. Um, I need to get him to see me. I need to get, get him to realize how awesome I am. Fall in love with me, right? And so that's that's kind of the, the, the wound of the anxiously attached person, right? And so this shows up in you in ways like, um, like obsessing over like, will he text me? Or when will he text me next? Or does he like me? Or is this going somewhere, right? Like we become preoccupied with the future. Um, and so we're, the anxiety is like asking these really big questions. Are we meant for each other? Like, what is it gonna look like when we walk down the aisle together? Do we make a cute couple? Will he get along with my friends, right? Like all of these things, just like obsessive thoughts about where it's going, right? And, and that experience is like watching a pot that's not boiling, right? Like it feels like torturous because you're like, when is this going to go to where I want it to go? When is, when am I, when am I going to know, when am I going to just know that he, that he's in it and that we're in it together, right? So we want to stop this, right? We don't want to wait anymore because waiting is very disempowering, right? We're here to take control of our love lives. So what you want to do is you want to diffuse your anxiety, right? So using the same metaphor, when you have that pot boiling, what are you going to do? You're not going to just sit and watch it, right? You're going to focus on other things while you cook. You're going to say, okay, well, what needs chopping? Uh, what can I put like in the oven for a little bit? What needs, you know, X, Y, and Z um, so that what I can put in the mixing bowl and I can focus so that maybe when, by the time I'm done, the pot's 
the water's boiling, right? It's like, it's ready to go, right? So when we're slowly getting to getting the attention of multiple people at once, it makes us less focused on the one that we could easily get attached to, right? Now, this doesn't mean you won't have your favorites or that you won't get attached to them, but ideally you're talking to enough people. Um, and this, again, you're just talking to them. It doesn't mean you're going on 10 dates a week. That is not realistic and it wouldn't be good for you anyway, right? But it means that ideally because you're swiping better, your, your profile's better, you're choosing better, that you're having like higher level conversations than maybe before and more quality ones, or you're going out on video dates, at least at first, that's something I really recommend. Um, and so you're doing these other things and it's, you start feeling more secure because you have these other people who are interested in you, who are meeting your needs in ways. And you kind of are able to compare like, well, who actually is meeting my needs, right? You kind of become the scientist and dating and, and going out on dates, the apps become your laboratory. And you're just observing like who's showing up and where does it feel good and who's not showing up. And even though I really like this guy, I'm aware that that's part of my preoccupation, right? Because what this does is it creates some distance, right? It detaches you a little bit when you're able to talk to multiple people, right? And so the benefits, again, of talking to multiple people, and I specifically am, am highlighting this talking piece because I get the question a lot like, well, I don't know, I've never dated more than one person at once. That feels really uncomfortable to me. And like, that totally makes sense. Like we grow up in a world where like we focus on the one, right? Like, and I think men are actually given a little more permission to date around first, more so than women, right? Like there's a lot of like female centric stuff that comes with that. Um, and so I just want to like reassure you that this is like, you are not like being exclusive with people. You're not necessarily even being intimate with all these people. You're not even necessarily going on dates with these people. You are simply talking and you're being strategic about the way that you're talking and you're getting to know them. And then, and ideally you'll see later, you're getting to know them in a more genuine way. Right. But the benefits of this is that you stop waiting like we were talking about, and obsessing, right? It increases your chances of meeting the right person. Uh, it gets you prepared by practicing being secure in a romantic context, right? So none, no date is a waste of time because it's all this laboratory for you speaking up, your, saying your needs more or setting boundaries more, um, reinforcing for yourself that like, no, I don't just have to do that to get this person to like me. I need to speak from like my authenticity, right? And this, this boosts your confidence and makes you more secure. And it allows you to compare who is meeting your needs and who isn't. Uh, when I first started seeing my husband, I was so into this guy um, who... I don't want to out myself where I met him, but anyway, he was a guy I was super into and he just fit all the checks of all the kind of guys I used to be into. Um, he was just a little like, I don't know, he was from Africa. He was like really beautiful. He wore man jewelry. I was really into that thing, like very spiritual. My husband is not like that, but I was dating my husband at the same time. And this guy, I was like chasing him and he just wasn't showing up and I kept feeling frustrated. And then here I had this wonderful man who like, was so buying me wine with meals. It was just like so such wonderful stuff that I couldn't help but notice like, what am I doing? You know, like this guy is so much more satisfying. 
And it just, I just cut it off with that. I just like stopped talking to him because I was like, I just lost interest genuinely. So it, it really does help you to put things in perspective. And the dating apps are the best place for this because there are so many single people to talk to, right? More than anywhere else these days, like that is where you find single people. And so when you have a new strategy for finding the right people, you're going to find a different quality of people, but you still want to go somewhere where the majority of the single people are going to hang out, right? The key is knowing which people are worth your time. And so that's what we're going to get into. And so first I want to show you some insecure swiping methods. So this is how I see traditionally uh, a lot of women who are coming from a more wounded place swiping because it permeates everything. So here are some insecure swiping examples. Being overly precious with each swipe, right? The tendency to overanalyze, right? The tendency to read into the meaning of things, right? So we think that we can discern from this photo like what someone's gonna be like, right? Like we'll pick apart things to discern like, is this good, is this bad? Romanticizing people right? Giving them qualities that you want them to have, but that they haven't actually shown you they possess, right? Uh, let me know in the chat if you have ever done this. Like, I used to do this all the time. I'd see a guy who I thought was attractive, and my mind would go to, like, and I would see, like, certain things I liked on his profile, and my mind would go to all the places, like, that I, like, he would start to, like, measure him against the, the kind of energetic visual of the man I had in my head, right? Let me know if you've ever done this. We're giving them qualities before they've actually shown us those qualities, right? Um, we look at their picture first and swipe yes, and then read their profile. So my client that I've been talking about who did this challenge in November and went on one date and has been with this guy for four and a half months now, this is, she told me she was guilty of this one where she would look at their picture first and swipe yes. And then she would go back and decide like, okay, do I like their profile? And that's something that men do right? Or men just will swipe, 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 swipe. Um, but we're, you're, you're putting the picture above all else, right? Like you're making attraction the number one thing. And while it's nice to be attracted to someone, it doesn't lead to lasting love necessarily, right? We all know that we've been there. Um, making quick judgment calls, like so deciding, like coming to conclusions too soon, right? And remember that if you're the scientist, you don't want to come to a conclusion too soon, right? You need to test, you need to experiment before you can be sure of the outcome of that experiment, right? Of the result. So we don't want to be making judgment calls immediately. We want to go with a curious mind, right? And swiping on or won't swipe on anyone unless they seem perfect. So holding people to this standard of perfection and perfectionism really is, I know we've talked about it a little, but it is deeply rooted in wounding right? The need to feel perfect, the need to be perfect, and then projecting that on to your partner, expecting them to be perfect. And that is its form of un unavailability, right? Because if someone has to be perfect, then I don't have to get close to them because they're not perfect. And so it kind of makes the amount of people that you're able to swipe on smaller because they're not perfect. Because if they're only perfect, then only so many people are going to get through, right? Um, but you're holding holding them to perfect standards then you're not they're not able to make mistakes and mistakes and vulnerability are such an important part of intimacy so instead of swiping that way 
we want to swipe with my secure swipe strategy. What does this look like? First, it starts with mindset. So let's go shopping. I love, personally, I'm a fan of shopping. Um, and I'm also a fan of Clueless. And I love the idea of the shopping analogy when we're using the apps. So I specifically like to call it vintage shopping a lot. Let me know in the chat if you like vintage shopping. Um, I'm a big fan of it. It really applies to all shopping, but going with the vintage shopping metaphor for a, ma a minute, let's just like imagine we're like at Crossroads or Buffalo Exchange or something like that, if anyone's familiar with those. And here's the truth about vintage shopping, right? You have to search through a lot of crap a lot of the time to find the hidden gem, right? So you know that when you're swiping and you're just like, next, 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 like this is not gonna be worth my time, right? Like, you know, it's not gonna be, a lot of them are not gonna be worth your time. And they're not even, they're nothing you wanna actually, that you like, you're, it's not even looking, you're not even looking at it, right? But you don't, you keep searching because like, you know that if you keep weeding, oh, you'll stop at something that's like, hmm, that's kind of cute. Like, I could maybe wear that. Let me, let me add it to my pile that I'm gonna try on, right? Um, and so then you do that, you swipe a little, you, you like, you, you swipe, you move the hangers more, 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 right? And then you find another thing. Maybe I'll try that one on, right? So maybe, I mean, maybe this is just how I shop, but I'm like, all right, now I've got like five things that are reasonable. Let me go try them on, right? And now when you go try them on, unless you know, you're like, I don't know, Kylie Jenner, not Kylie Jenner, but a, you know, a model, maybe not everything is going to fit amazingly, right? You're going to find, find the one, you're going to walk home with the one that fits just right, you know? And even if it has, you know, like, let's, let's say it's like a worn brown leather jacket, right? Maybe it has like a teeny little hole or like some tear in the corner, but it just fits you so well that you don't even care about that tear in the corner, right? Like it's so small that you're like, it's okay. Cause this is my jacket. It feels right. It fits me well. And it was worth that time that I was moving through all the rest of that crap, right? Not to call human beings crap. I just want to put that out there. I don't think it's true, but for the sake of the metaphor, right? Um, you have to go through a lot, right? And that's what swiping is like, right? You're swiping like, and so it's kind of the mindset pieces of this is setting the expectation that you're not gonna like everyone and that that's okay. And the more you can be okay and patient with that, the more likely it is that you'll keep going. And that's when you'll get the opportunity to find your hidden gem, to find your perfect leather jacket that maybe has a little bit of a tear, but it's perfect enough for you. It's not perfect in every way. It's not brand spanking new, but it was meant for you, right? So now that we have that in our heads, what do we look for in people's profiles? So this is what I call the tree of love. That's a little something I made up based on how to determine if someone is right for you. And we can use it with the apps to a degree, but it's it's not just on the apps, it's then also as you get to know people, right? But it's again, the way you're thinking and that a lot of people think when they are dating. And so the most people go from the top down. When what I mean by that is that we've got the leaves of the tree, right? And then we have the big branches of the tree. And then we have the trunk of the tree. And then we have the roots of the tree, 
right? So, so those are the, the different areas we're looking at. And I think that the in, my, in this tree of love, the, the leaves represent the ideal qualities that we see in someone. So again, I'm a matchmaker. I get a lot of, we have to write down people's priorities, their preferences, their deal breakers all the time, right? So much of the time, height is the number one. That is a deal breaker. I need someone to be tall. Um, I, I need someone to be between this age range or that age range, right? I need someone who like, they definitely have to be this kind of body type, or maybe they need to have a really cool job that they're passionate about and ambitious about, right? Let me know in the chat if I'm naming anything for you. And these things aren't bad by any mean. Like, of course we have ideals, right? But the ideal qualities like those, right? They represent the leaves, okay? And then the bigger branches, and I know it might be a little hard to see here, but future vision, finances, attraction, those are all kind of big branches in my mind that are all kind of similar, right? So you've got future vision. Do you want marriage and kids or do you not? Where do you see your life going, right? Like, do you see yourself living in Europe when, you know, in 10 years? Do you see yourself building an amazing business? Like, you know, and does it align with this person, right? That's the future vision. The finances are, do you value spending money on the same things? You know, people sometimes, the reason finances are important because finances can come between people in, in you know, um, romantic situations, right? Especially because we, we want to be independent ourselves and that's great. And if you are at a place where you're independently, you know, financed and you, you know, you want to meet someone who also is independently financed, but we also can be a little particular there with like, they have to make the same exact thing as me, right? That's another way that we like perfection. We put perfection on them, right? Um, finances are important. There's more to explore there. Um, but it's at least having a sense of like, are they stable, right? Like at this stage in our lives, we at least know we want someone who is stable. Like, I don't want to be a sugar mama, right? Um, and then the, and then the attraction piece. And so what I wrote there is, do you want to be physically close to them? And attraction can be really pick, like um, particular when it comes to attachment. Attraction um, is affected by attachment a lot of the time. And so again, that's part of why you are attracting unavailable men, because you are usually more attracted to people who, again, it's a combination of things, the way that the wound affects attraction. So first off, um, as you know, like if you have an attachment wound, your self-worth gets affected, right? And so a lot of the time, what I know I used to do and what I noticed a lot of other people doing is we will be attracted to people who validate us right? Like, so when we have an idea in our head of the identity of the kind of person we want to be, right? When we meet someone who has those identity type qualities, then we can sometimes be attracted to that because it's validating for us that they want us back. Let me know if this is making sense. I'll give you an example. I think I mentioned that I, I dated a man who was 12 years my senior. He had two teenage daughters. One of them had a baby, we were on again and off again. He never called me his girlfriend. I was like madly in love with him, okay? And he was really attractive. He was tall. He was handsome. He, I worked in like TV and, and makeup and stuff at the time. And um, he was a screenwriter and he hung out with celebrities. And like, he just like represented to me. It was like the idea of him represented to me who I think I wanted to be at the time, right? And so that is part of the intense attraction sometimes is that it's not just about the physicality 
of wanting to be close to someone physically. It's like we're projecting this fantasy onto them that makes them seem more attractive to us, even though it's not necessarily rooted in genuine physical chemistry and attraction, even though that might also be there. That's another, that lust piece is real, right? Like our hormones, our desire to be attracted to someone is real, but studies have found that what's actually happening when we have an anxious attachment style, um, or I think it works also for fearful avoidant people is that we are so used to being um, in fight or flight. And when we're in fight or flight mode, our adrenaline spikes. And um, and Sarah, I know you're on here and you watched this workshop where I learned this. So if you have anything to add to it, feel free to. Um, but our adrenaline spikes. And so we're more used to when that adrenaline, essentially, when we are being a little bit triggered by someone, um, actually, um, we associate that with excitement when it's actually stress. And so the thing is, if you think about like, um, this is the analogy my husband came up with because he likes space. Um, when you think about a star, the stars that are the hottest uh, burn out the quickest. And they're like the, they're, they just, they, they can't handle all the energy, right? And so when we're intensely attracted to someone and we um, haven't established the trust and the, and the going slow and everything, and we're just intensely attracted to them, there's a higher chance that it's going to, that energy, it just, it can't sustain itself and it burns out quick, more quickly. And the cooler stars in space, they actually last longer, right? They are able to maintain their energy more. And so a lot of times, like it takes, when we are not coming from a secure place, it takes a little bit for our nervous system to adjust and start to feel more attracted to someone. And there's also this really interesting thing. I have a little bit of a theory around it and it's based a little bit on um, Sue Johnson's work that I've read. She's the emotionally focused ther couples therapist, um, but that sometimes conflict, like there's healthy conflict in relationships. And it's kind of like, if you think about a rom-com, how the like narrative of a rom-com is always like the meet cute, they fall in love, everything's amazing. And then someone does something and they're torn apart and we think they're not going to be together. And then someone has to like run to someone and like, or like make it right. Right. And it's like this big scene. Right. And I remember when I was younger, I used to imagine like a guy just like running to my house in the middle of the night and like knocking on the window and just like professing his love and telling me, or like if I was dating a guy and then I didn't hear back, like I would have these fantasies, right? Because there's, and it's like almost the reason why sometimes we like people who aren't good for us is because there's something activating about conflict. But the thing is, it's also the conflict and in attachment, we call it, um, uh, it's not just, um, Sarah, I think I'm forgetting the phrase, but it's like um, conflict and repair, a rupture and repair. So when you have an attachment bond that gets ruptured, then you have this intense need to repair it. And I believe that when you have a little bit of conflict, it can actually add to your attraction level, which isn't to say you should be starting fights with people, but what it says is that you have to take time to get to know them sometimes, to get to the areas where you're gonna have a little bit of tension in order to overcome it and bond that, that fracture, that rupture, and you actually start to can start to feel more attracted after that. I know it might sound absolutely nuts, but um, there's a lot of truth to it. And I've, that was my own experience as well. So I'm going on and on about attraction here because a lot of people say like, 
well, I I've had guys who like you make meet my needs and they're really great, but I wasn't attracted to them. And I think sometimes that's absolutely true. There are people you are absolutely not going to be attracted to, and it's just not going to happen. And that's absolutely true. But I also think that there are people that if you got to know them a little more and you came from that, you understood this stuff a little bit more, you could probably become more attracted to them than you realize. I've had a client who she went on a date with her boyfriend now and she did not think she was attracted. He took her on like five dates. And then on the fifth date, they finally kissed and she was so pleasantly surprised at how attracted she was. So it's different for everyone. But I just wanted to give my little spiel about attraction there because I know it's a really important issue for everyone um, and I'm happy to talk about it more. So these three are the branches and then we have the trunk of the tree. And so this trunk represents the friendship, chemistry, core values, lifestyle, right? And then the roots are attachment. Do you feel safe? Can you be yourself? Do they reciprocate and validate your feelings? And so most of the time, the majority of people go from the top of the tree down. They look at these ideal qualities. They say, do they want kids in marriage? Do I like their job? Do they seem financially stable? Do they make enough money? Am I attracted? Maybe attractions even, you know, it's up there with the ideal qualities sometimes, right? Um, and then like, okay, can, and then the friendship piece kind of comes, the, the like, you know, those details, the core values, the chemistry, maybe you have some chemistry as well in the beginning too. Um, but the attachment is usually the last thing. It's usually I'm falling for this person because of all they, they're checking all these boxes. I love all these things about them and I wish they would show up for me more, right? Like, let me know in the chat if you are relate to this at all. Um, when we actually want to do the opposite, because if you think about a tree, a tree cannot stand upright without being firmly in the ground with it, it, its attachment roots, right? Um, you need to have the roots planted in order for the rest of the tree to blossom and grow, right? And so what you want to look for as we swipe is you want to look first that your attachment needs are being met first and foremost. And and it's kind of a little bit of both because you're talking to someone, you're sensing if you have chemistry, da, 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 but you're paying attention to are they meeting my needs? Are they reciprocating? Are they validating my feelings? Are they acknowledging me? Are they making me feel safe? Are they making me feel seen? Do I, you know, and like in the beginning, of course, it's a little different because they're, it's new and you're just talking to people, but this is the, the mindset that you want to have as you're getting to know people, right? Like as you're swiping. So let me know if you have questions about this, uh, but I want to get into actually like now, what, what does this look like in practice? who to swipe on and who not to swipe on. So we hear a lot about red flags, right? What are the red flags when we're thinking of it through an attachment lens? So the red flags, these, there's a lot of red flags, you guys. There's a lot of traits, especially when it comes to like, and I just want to say too, like we talk about avoidant men, right? And we talk about um, unavailable people. And again, all insecure attachment styles have a certain level of being emotionally unavailable, right? Um, that's why you're here. That's why you're learning about this. The avoidant and the anxious trap is a big piece and it can be so triggering that that's why we're avoiding the avoidant men for the most part, right? Like that's why we're, or at least we want to know that if they're avoidant, they're willing. But I just wanna make the disclaimer that avoidance, when we talk about it this way, can sometimes sound like bad, right? And like, I don't, I'm not here to shame avoidant people. like 
Avoidant people are wonderful people and can make really good partners. It just takes a little bit more security with yourself and patience, right? That all said, a lot of times avoidant partners do show some very obvious traits and you could start telling me about someone and I could like, I can very quickly see the signs of someone's attachment style, avoidant or otherwise. And that's what I really support my clients with a lot, which is when they're swiping and they're like, okay, I know certain things not to look for, but like this guy is not, like I can't tell what his attachment style is. I can't tell how he's showing up and that's gonna happen. But so what I wanna show you, and, and like I could teach a seminar all day on that piece, right? And so that would take a long time. So I'm not telling you all of the avoidant things to look out for, but I am telling you the most obvious, most important, clearly avoidant qualities that you can see on someone's profile. And they're the ones that like, no questions asked, just do not swipe yes, okay? So first one being, if they do not have a pic or profile filled out, some of you might already know this and do this, right? But I have had people who tell me, well, I actually went on a date with someone who didn't have a profile pic and they were great. And I'm like, that's fine. But like, that is not going to be the majority of people, because if you are not putting a picture up on a dating app, I don't know, to me, that just says a lot about how you're showing up. You're, you're not being authentic and you're not putting in any effort, right? The thing I see more so though, even than not having a picture is people who have pictures, but don't fill out their profile. It's like they, like, I, and to me, that couldn't reek more of like, I am here to hook up if you find me attractive, swipe on me. You know what I mean? So I really encourage you. I don't know if you, if you are doing this, like, do not swipe on someone who has not filled out their profile because that is telling you what they are interested in. And it is telling you the level of effort that they are about to and willing to put it right, right from the get go. And then people who explicitly talk about sex. And this can be a fine line because it's like, well, we're all adults. Like we do want someone who we get along with like and physically, right? But like, again, if someone is, that is the thing that they are starting with, if that is the thing that they are leading with. And that goes for if they're making sexual innuendos or whatever the case really early on, they are not there for something serious, right? Like they are telling you what they are there for. And one of the biggest things we can remember is believing people when they show you who they are, right? When they tell you and when they show you. Um, if someone is talking, now these are the more subtle kind of avoidant little traits that when they talk about loving their independence and wanting that in a woman. And again, this one can be a little confusing because I know that we live in a culture where we really value independence, being an independent woman. Like we think of that as a really like, something we revere, right? Like we look up to independent women and strong women. And I don't want to take that away from the strong women who are here today. Um, but what we want is we don't, if we just wanted to be independent, we wouldn't be here, right? Like independent literally means on your own, right? And you're on your own right now. You want to be in a relationship, right? And so you want to be in an interdependent relationship. You want to be in a relationship where it's safe to need something emotionally from your partner, right? It's safe to want to give something emotionally to your partner and have them want to receive it and let that be balanced and equal and reciprocated, right? Interdependence, you can be, it's like the Venn diagrams, you know, the, the circles and they meet in the middle. You're still your independent people, but then you have this section that is your relationship, 
right there. And you, it's, it's in, in a relationship where it's healthy to need things. And so when you see someone talking about being super independent on their profile or saying that, you know, I need that in a woman, it seems subtle, but to me, that is them saying like, don't be too needy, right? Like we are going to have our lives separate. They're not thinking as a, like, let's become one. Let's be, and, and I don't mean one where you lose your identity, but like, let's become a couple. Let's become a cohesive partnership, right? Th that's not the thought process of some, someone who wants to be in a cohesive partnership. If that, they have to put that on their profile, right? If they wanted a strong woman, like, like I put on mo my profile, I mentioned yesterday, like um, I, you know, swipe on me if you're a man looking for a strong woman. Yeah, they can say you, they, of course we want someone who wants a strong woman, but independent is very specific. And independence is a, is a trigger sometimes for avoidant types because they really value, they place a high value on their independence. And again, this doesn't make them terrible. And like, if there's a lot that you really like about someone and they're saying they're independent, that's totally fine. As long as you feel, get to a place where you feel secure enough that if they are doing their thing or they're really busy at work or they're not giving you the attention that you need, you are okay with that or you're able to self-soothe and, and like self-validate and not take it personally, right? But the problem is, is that what I'm sure a lot of you have been experiencing is being in a lot of relationships with people who are hyper-independent or are always working or always have reasons why they can't show up always have reasons why they can't spend the holidays with you or they can't X, Y, and Z, right? Uh, or, you know, whatever, spend a, a long weekend with you because Sundays I do this and this day I do this, right? So that's why it's it's just something to be aware of, right? Um, so if they're really leaning into that, that's something to pay attention to. Then this is my favorite one, um, no drama. And just let's just just talk about the fact that if someone's emotionally matured, they won't be calling something drama, right? Because to me, when people say the word no drama, like that says to me that they have very little emotional intelligence. They have no understanding of like, they were probably in a relationship with someone where someone felt triggered and they whatever, and they just call it drama. They write it off. It's a very dismissive thing to say about someone's emotions, that they're just being dramatic. And I don't know about you, but I, maybe I'm a little triggered by it because I've been called dramatic a little too many times for my liking in my life. And um, it's just, it's, it's not, no bueno. Um, or like comments about someone like women, especially when these are directed at women, like no drama, crazy, taking things too seriously, right? Like that's another way. And like, it can kind of come off like, I just want a cool lady, which is fine. But like, there's this expectation, I think sometimes that like, that it's feeding into this idea that women just have to be chill. We just have to be go with the flow, cool, chill. Like we don't make a big deal out of things. And to me, that's saying, I don't have space to receive your emotions. If you're feeling insecure or anxious or whatever, which likely even as you're becoming more secure, again, you will feel those things because it's about managing them. It's not about suppressing and like getting rid of them. It's about accepting and managing them. And so when you're having this big emotion and you feel the need to be seen, do you want to be with someone who's like, I can't handle this or stop being that way? I'm sure you've already experienced that, right? So those are some other ones to just really pay attention to and kind of anything around these. These are the big ones. And like I said, like 
there's a lot, there's a lot more. Um, and when you work with me, I literally sit with you in your one-to-one -one call and we can swipe sometimes, or like, you'll come to me and you'll be like, Hey, this guy's showing up this way. I can't tell. And we can work it out together. And I'll give you tips for like, well, try talking to him about this or try seeing this. Cause sometimes it takes more to know if they are again, the profile is just the first screening method. And then who do you swipe on? I call them the pink and the green flags. So the pink and the green flags are everyone who does not have a red flag. Now, this doesn't mean you have to swipe on absolutely everybody. Again, like if someone is just like zero attraction, zero interest on what you, they say on their profile, like, okay, don't swipe on them. But this is to encourage you to swipe out of your type. And so when I say pink flag, I mean, they don't have a red flag, but they're not necessarily like your type. They're not a green flag. They're not like a, yes, I definitely want to swipe on them. They're not the traditional person that you maybe would have already swiped on, right? And this piece is really important because uh, my client I keep talking about who like just killed the challenge last time and is still dating the guy she met from it. Um, he wasn't her type. And she said that was really the big takeaway for her is like, okay, like I, I look at, I'm going to look at his profile first. I really liked what he had to say. He isn't someone who I think I would typically go for, but like, I think he's attractive enough. Like I wouldn't like necessarily have pulled him out of a lineup before this, but like, I really liked the energy of his profile. Like I'm curious enough. I'm going to swipe on him. And now she's in love. You know, so it's just the being open to those people is really, really important. And then you can still swipe on the people you're excited by. Absolutely. You just want to also make sure they don't have the red flags, right? And you want to make sure that you are liking the things that they're saying, that they're coming off secure, right? Yesterday, we looked at your profile and we talked about calling out the secure men, right? And so it's like, the things that you're saying that you want in these people on your profile, do these people, the green flags, have those on their profile? Do the pink, the guys who are not your type, are they saying something like that really resonates with you on their profile about what they're looking for? Um, I remember when I swiped on my husband, it was so subtle, but he said, I have my shit together in a really good way. And I don't know what it was about that line, but I just got such a good vibe from him. I also like his eyes like seemed really sweet and he wasn't necessarily my type, um, but I liked enough that I swiped. And so it's like, sometimes you just get an energy from someone's profile, trust that, right? So why the pink and green flags? First of all, we're going for connection, not perfection, right? Um, profiles don't accurate, accurately reflect people. I dated a guy once, he was a friend of mine from like being a kid and I like, we started sleeping together and I was all about him and he showed me his Tinder profile and I was like, I would have never, ever, ever swiped on him, right? But I was so attracted to him and so in love with him at this time, right? So like, it, you can't always judge so how someone's gonna look or be, especially guys, Ladies, you know this, right? Like men are terrible sometimes at showing the right photos of themselves, right? So you just want to take that with a grain of salt. Anxious types also, like we've talked about, need time to grow attracted to secure types. You do. And maybe even anxious types. 
Um, this is also partially a numbers game. We want to expand the pool. We're always trying to be like, okay, statistically speaking, the more people I'm willing to open up to and not have that perfection complex with, the more chances I'm going to have of connecting with someone in a real way. And again, when we are just led by like intense lust and attraction, then you actually do yourself a disservice because you're falling for, you end up falling because of the hormones and the fantasy instead of really developing a genuine connection. And you're usually like much more triggered more often when someone is hyper attractive. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but like, it's just you, it like pokes at a self-worth wound in a different way when we feel like someone is so attractive that they're on this pedestal, right? And so um, when we go for someone who maybe isn't our type, we're usually, our nervous system isn't as activated. We're, we're not in that adrenaline space. Um, we feel good about ourselves. We're more authentic. We show up better. It just, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you have more success when you date outside your type, which I've already talked about. You're not led by the fantasy and you have a higher chance of genuine connection. So we talked about that too. And I always say that the person you're waiting for likely won't come in the package you expect. And this is why I am such a fan of heart-centered manifesting that we did um, on day one, where we're tapping into feelings rather than traditional manifesting that's very, very focused on vision. Like vision is important. I think that third eye inner vision is super important for manifesting. But little anecdote here, um, one of my best friends was searching for a house. And she and her mom were looking at the house, houses together and they kept going, she wanted a condo. And so they were going to all these condos and none of them were right. And then her mom saw an ad for a mobile home in LA in Topanga, which I don't know how many of you know LA, but Topanga is a really beautiful area, but it was a mobile home park. And her, she was a little like, I don't know, people have bad associations sometimes with mobile home parks. I don't know about this, but she went with her mom and this place she lives now. I've actually lived in it with her. It is so beautiful and it wasn't a condo. It was a house that it, it feels like a real house and it felt so much more like home to her and everything was right, right? And the, the fact is, is that sometimes when we are manifesting and we're so specific about what we want that and the package that it comes in, the form that it comes in, that we then we don't see the other possibilities that are actually better for us, right? So um, just keeping that in mind that it's kind of like the whole, you can't judge a book by its cover necessarily, right? So again, the profile is your first screening method. It weeds out the people who are most likely to be unavailable. That doesn't mean unavailable people can't still sneak into your inbox because they will. But remember, it's a spectrum. And so this first step is who are the ultra avoidant people? And again, there's more to it, more ways of knowing it. And when you work with me, we go deep. But these are helpful to know in the beginning at the very least, that these are just the people who like are gonna have the higher chance of being more slow to commit, more likely to ghost, like that kind of stuff, right? Then once you start getting to know people, the more information you have, remember you're the scientist, you're observing, you need the data. The more data and information you have, the more you're going to be able to discern, like, is this person actually emotionally available? How are they showing up for me? And so the real test is how they show up when you talk to them. And that's the messaging piece, right? That's the interacting with them piece. Um, and so that's what we're going to cover tomorrow. And so that's why tomorrow is a really big day because 
that's essentially like, this is how you can tell, like, this is how you stop wasting your time is how that you interact with them, right? So um, that all said, the, I'm so proud of myself. I did it in an hour tonight. Um, the heart work for tonight is, I want you to journal. We're going to do intentional swiping. So you can journal for five minutes before swiping. What feelings are coming up? And if you swipe a lot, you might think like, hmm, what's the point of this? But there's a lot of internal stuff going on when we swipe. And like, it's these preconceived notions. It's the beliefs of what we're about to find. It's, it's so much. And I'm such a big proponent of journaling because when we journal, we're able to tap into our subconscious better. We're able to be reflective. Now, some people are like, I'm not a journaler. I don't like to write. Totally can use the voice memo app on your phone. Like if you're someone who you want to process out loud and just like talk to yourself, I find voice notes are so great for this to yourself. Um, but you do want it to be with yourself. And there's a reason for this because a lot of time our inclination is to process out loud with our friends. And again, women, like this is, a, we're amazing that we are so close and we share these things with each other. And like, where would we be without our friends, right? But when we do that, it's a little bit, if when we do that exclusively, meaning when we only know how to process with other people and we don't know how to process with ourselves, it's related to that core wound piece of not being able to validate ourselves, right? Like not being able to go to our, ourself for advice, for our opinion, for our thoughts and feelings on things, right? Um, we think that other people will have the answers. And so we have to go to them to get their feedback to know how we feel, right? And that, and I'm not saying you have you need to stop doing that, but I am saying that I really encourage you to develop a practice of connecting with yourself because this is how you build trust with yourself. And this is how you need trust with yourself when you're swiping. You need trust with yourself when you're talking to people because that is how you're going to be able to determine. Remember, this is not in the mind, it's in the it's in the body and it's in your feelings. And that's how you're going to be able to determine how do I feel about this person? Is this person right for me? Is the more you are in touch with your intuition and what you think and feel about things, right? So that's why my spiel on journaling. Um, so I want you to journal either voice memo or writing for five minutes before swiping to see if you have anything already coming up before you even swipe. Then you're gonna swipe for 10 minutes using my secure swipe strategy where you just swipe no on the red flags, and then people who are not your type or the people who are, you're going to read their profile first. You're going to look for those secure qualities and then, and you're going to swipe on them, right? And then you start seeing as you talk to them with the, the tree of love, like, are they reciprocating? Are they responding? Are they, et cetera, et cetera. Are they making me feel safe, right? And then when you're done swiping for those 10 minutes, you're going to journal for another five minutes on what feelings came up with you while you swiped. And so I know this, you know, feel free. I know I'm saying share in the Facebook group um, for um, your experience. So you don't have to, you know, share every single thing. Like I want you to feel comfortable. It's a safe space, but just like one or two things that you observed or whatever you feel comfortable sharing about this experience is uh, what you can put in the heart work for tonight. And then today is the last day to book your mini profile assessment. So if you haven't done it and you would like to, feel free to do that. 
All right, so that's everything I have for you today. Um, but the heart work winner of our beautiful crystals is, I just wanna get the crystals out, Sharifa. Sharifa, I'm giving you the crystals because you've been on it, girl. You've been doing great. Um, and we raffled this off. So um, you've been engaged. So this is yours. If you want to connect with me after, I will get your um, I will get your address. Uh, all right, everybody. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. I feel like I've just talked forever. Um, and I love that you're all still here. So I'm going to check the chat. See, yes, congrats. The mini profile assessment calls there. And let's see, I'm just going to go through some of these questions. If a guy is wearing sunglasses in his profile picture, is he likely avoidant? I love this question. Um, so I think that might be a little too like, um, we, we, you can, I don't think we can say like, like, we cannot say with any like real like knowledge 100% if someone's wearing sunglasses in their profile, they're avoidant, especially because in doing many profile assessments, I know that some of you and, and people here have had their sunglasses on in their profile because they think it looks cool or something and it's not because you're avoidant. So I wouldn't read too much into that necessarily. I'd say if he has sunglasses on in every single picture. Um, and it's like never showing his face or something like that. Like maybe that's a little red flaggy, but like, that's the kind of thing that like you can pay it. I always say it's like your antenna goes up. Like when you feel a little uncomfortable and you're like, Hmm, right. Your antenna goes up. So like, maybe that's the kind of thing where you're like, I don't know. I'm, I don't love that. He's wearing his sunglasses, but let's see what he has to say. Right. Like we don't we want to go by those things. Like, what is he putting out? What is his energy that he's putting out there? What is he doing in his pictures? Like, is he just I don't know, like, it, you know what I mean? Like we it's in the same way that we're creating the slice of life. It's like, what is he showing you in other ways? And if everything else looks good, I wouldn't not swipe on someone because they're wearing sunglasses if you like what they have to say. Right. Does that make sense? Patsy, let me know if you have more questions about that. Um, are avoidance avoidant in all relationships or do they show up differently with different people? That's such a good question um, because I know that anxious types can, we can be, we can be a little avoidant if someone's really anxious and we can be more secure if someone's more secure. Um, I, I keep going to Sarah cause she's my other uh, expert here. Um, Avoidance are beautiful, she says. I don't know, Sarah, do you want to speak to this? Do you feel like you, because Sarah does actually, she has a lot of expertise in um, speaking about fearful avoidance. So I don't know if, um, do you think that, I feel like I want to say avoidant types. What I will say is that avoidant types can get anxious about intimacy. And I feel like if someone else, I think with avoidance and avoidance for the most part, like it's just more avoidance, but like, um, I know avoidance can become more secure. So yeah, their their prof, their attachments can change because they can become more secure. I don't know that they would become anxious. I think anxious types are more likely to become a little avoidant at times. I think was, only, yeah, sorry, sorry. What was the original question? Her question is, are avoidant types avoidant in all relationships or do they show up differently with different people? What do you think about that, Sarah? Oh, I see. Yeah, so I think we're, we are all different attachment types across the different areas of our life. 
So we might like from my own personal experience, I show up really avoidant with my parents um, as well as my husband. But with friendships, I, I would say I'm like way more secure because it's a very secure area in my life. So it's hard to pick apart specifically like how they would show up with different people, but do know that it can be different in the different areas of your life. Right. Like, in, like with parents versus romance versus friends, you might show up differently. Yeah. What do you think though? I don't think avoidant types ever really become anxious though, right? Unless like they're with someone else who's avoid. I know fearful avoidant types can feel more anxious when there's an avoidant type around, but I always, I know that's because they have that kind of anxious tendency, but do you okay. think that someone avoidant would become anxious from someone else being avoidant? I think that's possible. It's possible, but probably pretty, it would be pretty rare for two avoidants to be in the same relationship together. Right. To the point where they would, someone would actually change their attachment style. Like, I just don't even think they would get together in the first place. Right. Cause there's no one there who has like the more emotional kind of grounding in that, right. that dynamic. Yeah. But it is you, like you just said, it's really common for anxious people to swing more avoidant, especially as they're becoming secure. It's a common, like they'll become more independent as they are becoming secure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That makes sense. Thank you for weighing in. Yeah, um, thank you. And then um, anxious and fearful avoidant, you said, can be so dysregulated that they become addicted to attachment activation and chaos. Yes, that's, you were speaking to the um, attraction piece there, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. You said yeah. it beautifully earlier. Yeah. yeah, it's being attracted to the chaos. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, does anyone have any like other questions? Those were some good questions. Anything else? that you want to ask. Patsy says, thanks. Okay, great. No, it's all pretty. I know I'm thorough, so I lay it out there, but um, I'll be curious to know how it feels to swipe tonight in this way. I'm curious, I guess, how many of you feel like this is a new way of swiping for you? Like, have you, have you swiped this way before? Have you paid attention to these kind of red flags before? Um, or does this feel like new or anything that you're like unsure about? Okay. Leah says, this is new to me. Suzanne says, this is new. Okay, good, good. I want it to be new because I want you to have a different experience than you've had before. So new is good. Um, all right, everyone. Well, we've done the heart work. And again, tomorrow is really the integration day. It's the day I I've been talking about integration so much right? We've talked a lot about the healing. These little pieces have been integration, but now it's like the next level is like, okay, that's nice. We swiped on people. They're in our inbox, but now like, what do we do? Right. And, and where do you go from there? Taking them through the funnel again, as you will, of like weeding out and being intentional about who or someone who has a higher chance of being my person. And so that's what we're really leaning in tomorrow. And, um, talking about actually how to use effective communication to kind of prevent ghosting. Um, because the truth is, is that effective communication can be so powerful in changing the way that a relationship unfolds. And I see so much of the time people share with me the way a dynamic went, like after they've broken up and they tell me, and I think these are the spots where I see where the anxious, you know, the, maybe the avoidant person did this. So the anxious person responded this way and said this, and, and, it, and then it snowballs and then someone ghosts or it fizzles out or whatever. And I think there's so much opportunity, like, again, with the avoidant types who are more willing 
to show up differently, to change that, that dynamic, and then either not get ghosted because you're being more communicative about what you both really need, or you are able to make it work. So it's a big day. And I'm also giving away the moon deck tomorrow, um, the beautiful moon deck that I've been reading from. So make sure you do your heart work tonight and show up live tomorrow to be able to get this. And uh, that's all I have for you today. So thank you, you beautiful people for all being here. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you at 5 p.m. tomorrow. Thank you. All right, bye everyone.